You are listening to the In Context Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the In Context Podcast. Today we have a special guest. Uh, we have Joel Morris. He is uh, an author of the books Revolutionary God and Big Hearted. And he's also the executive director of Union School of Theology. So good morning, Joel, and welcome to the In Context Podcast. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Good, good, good chat to you this morning. Thank you. Yeah, th- thanks for giving me the time. I know you're a busy man. Uh, executive director sounds like a, an important title, and Union School of Theology sounds like a fantastic place. So what is Union, and what does your role involve? Yeah, good question. Um, so Union is really... Well, we, we kind of re rebooted a, an old sort of traditional Welsh seminary um, and we wanted to reform it into something that was really useful for the church um, to serve the church to grow to, to see you know great growth revival kind of growth um, and we wanted to be strategic wanted to be um, really serving the needs of the local churches and um, how, how do we how do we fuel that growth in, in the church and so Obviously, leadership development, growing leaders, um, raising up leaders is, is a big part of it with the school of theology. Um, but we need, wanted to make that more accessible. Um, so what is Union? Union is kind of a, an ecosystem, really. Um, now we've got Union Publishing coming through. That's books, free resources. And that really draws people in to good theology. It draws people into the school. Um, we've got Union Mission, which is at the sort of the other end of things where we try to support our students um, and alumni in, in planting and growing churches. Um, so we've, you know, we've raised a lot of money to, 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 to fill those, those church plants, to support those plants from, from our, our partners, our donors. Um, and then Union Research is a sort of high level, sort of scholarly, academic um, thinking um, and encouraging people to write and to encouraging people to research and, and, and yeah, being a catalyst in that area. Um, so it's really seeking to develop a whole ecosystem around growing, growing the church across Europe, around the world, um, with great reformed theology, um, seeking to see the church reformed and, and strengthened and, and become healthy. Um, so that's really what union is all about. That's what makes us tick. Uh, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. And in terms of what I do at Union, um, I support Michael Reeves. Um, I do the things that he shouldn't be doing, um, business side of things, fundraising, um, marketing, that sort of all those sorts of things that we just don't want Michael Reeves getting tied up with, um, releasing him to go and write and, and preach and teach and, and be, do what he's good at doing. So you keep the beast alive, basically. <laughs> I keep feeding <laughs> <laughs> oh well you're at a bible college you've got a, a busy job you've been a missionary i'm a bit of a stalker so i've done my research oh my goodness <laughs> and found out that you've been a missionary you've worked in secular workplaces in aerospace and, and nuclear science and you could have wrote about so many things uh, you could have wrote about being a missionary something more uh, theological or systematic or you could have even looked at creationism all kinds of things your background what was you up to talk about so many specific uh, aspects of theology, yet you've chosen to write two books, both of them 
pretty general, which speak to all of us, regardless of whether we're in ministry uh, full-time or whether we're just called to ministry in secular employment. The first one being revolutionary God, and uh, the second one being big-hearted. So why did you speak about these two specific things? What caused you uh, to take time from your busy life to, to write on these two areas? Thanks, Ben. Um, well, with the first book, it's really the first one I've ever written, and for me, it was it was getting out of my out of my brain all of the ideas um, that I that I had, um, all of the sort of the, just the thoughts and and the things that I've I've been thinking about over the years. Um, that that comes from theology, comes from working with Michael Reeves. Um, and I, I mean, I write because I, I enjoy it. I actually do it on the weekends, on the evenings, um, because it's not my job, my day-to-day -day job. I, I, it's kind of, it, it's something that feeds my soul and relaxes me. And so I, I mean, I do it purely for selfish reasons because um, I enjoy it and it, it you know, I, I'm really benefiting from it. Um, I'm not seeking to, you know, it's not part of what I do for Union as such. Um, not that I see, um, but it, obviously it can it can help and 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 feed into into union as well. Um, but the fact that I can get it published is is a bonus, really. Um, I just I just find myself writing, and and Mike's encouraged me as well. And I'm in that sort of environment w with other writers, so it's a kind of catalytic thing, um, which is great and encouraging. Um, but yeah, I, I was as surprised as anybody to see, you know, to sort of get into writing. Um, being being a dull boy from the valleys, uh, English wasn't my, you know, wasn't my strength in school. I was more into sciences and and stuff. So um, yeah, no, it's thrilling. And and so the the first book is really getting those ideas off my brain. Revolution, revolutionary God. Um, there's a few things going on um, when I, you know, when I. When we formed Union, when Mike came in and, and we started working together, um, um, it was it felt like a revolution. It felt like it was that sort of um, culture and that sort of excitement um, that we're we're revolutionising. You know what it means to do a school of theology, what it means to do ministry. Um, very much on the sort of and in, in the the spirit of the reformers. Um, uh, and yeah, and that that's really strong with Mike. And I don't know if you've if you've met Mike or if you've chatted with him, um, but that comes. I mean, he lives it out. Um, lives out that theology. How how we approach ministry. Um, union is really just it's it's reformed reforming, and it's it, it, we keep wanting to reforming it. We don't want it to fossilize. And so it's it's a connection of that sort of Reformation theology with the fact that we're always meant to be reforming the church um, and being vibrant and fresh and, and creative. Um, and so that, yes, I want to do something around that, that sort of caught the, the essence and the culture internally at Union, that sort of revolutionary kind of heart um, connected with theology. But, but also I wanted to, I wanted to, to, to do a, a book that made that our theology accessible um, to people in my church. And, and, and I just wanted to use different words to, to communicate, you know, the orthodox truths, 
doctrines of the Reformation. Um, and I just, I just knew that if I'm, if I'm starting to use those words that people are used to, that they would just switch off or they wouldn't, they wouldn't pick it up. So it was, how do I write a book that, um, that doesn't put people in my church off, even though they, they actually love reformed theology that, I mean, my pastor, Tom Cleaver, you know, preaches, um, with, you know, he's reformed and he, he preaches in that way. And, and, and so people, people love it. People like it. It's not, it's the, it's the kind of the categories and the words that I thought is, is off-putting. So I, I wanted, I wanted to, to communicate it in a way that, that people would pick it up and especially people in my church. Um, cause I thought, you know, if you, if you get it, if you really get into this, it's just the Bible. Um, it's just truth. Uh, you'd, you'd love it and you'd grow and, and yeah. So that, that, that was the drive for the first book. Um, I wanted to pick up on different experiences in, you know, in my life as well. And, and, um, just what I've observed, um, in, in the church in the UK and, and kind of reflect, reflect on that, um, stuff around radical unit, uh, radical union, and, and not not sort of being you know lone wolves, but um, reforming the church, drawing together to do that, and and work, seeking to work with others and that share your your convictions and your hearts, and um, um, yeah, just 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 sort of the last sort of twenty years or so, just seeing a lot of fragmentation and and tribalism, politics, and. Um, seeking to re, you know kind of respond against that really um in in a helpful way I hope um yeah yeah and it it was refreshing for me to see both the books the first one what i took out of it revolutionary god was being risk takers for god the second one big hearted uh, again that's in the title really quite obvious uh, about about generosity yeah giving things away and i think when I was first saved, I was saved into uh, wasn't quite wealth, health, and prosperity, but it wasn't far away. The main preaching was focused on comfort. Mm. A lot of the books that we see out and talks about the comfort of God. Uh, I think even you quote "gentle and lowly," and it just uh, a lot of the things we read is for our personal benefit about how much God gives to us. But very few books. That you really talk about taking risks, uh, being willing to die and to give up comfort and <laughs> to serve God. So I found the revolutionary God in particularly uh, inspiring, encouraging, and, and convicting. And uh, yeah, I, just, I just think, why why focus on risk and uh, and generosity? What, mm. what brought you to that point? Because well, writing a book on risk is probably risky itself, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I guess they're, they're really a kind of reflection of, of myself and what I'm, what I'm, you know, journeying through at, at that at the time. Um, taking risks was is part of the life of ministry and, and certainly at Union, you know, <laughs> massive risks and gambles. Um, stepping out of faith, um, really through difficulty, through suffering and struggle, and being willing to, you know, to stretch out and, <clears throat> and um, take that, yeah, take, take, take a step of faith regularly. 
and not be comfortable. Um, God didn't really allow us to be comfortable, I guess. Um, and and big-hearted. That was really a a response to helping our donors, helping our supporters. I found myself in situations with with fr friends. I consider them friends. Who some of them are donors. Who um, in even in their, their homes, I, I'd be I'd be pastoring them and discipling them, which is wonder wonderful wonderful to be able to do that. But I realised that there was a a lack of understanding around the theology of of generosity. Why why we should give? It's all very pragmatic. It's, in the generosity movement, you see resources, good resources, biblical, a lot of biblical stuff. Obviously, it's right to give, but I really wanted to drill down into the into the why and really get to the heart of it. I didn't I didn't feel compelled, even myself, by these arguments and by these by by what was being taught and spoken about. So that's that's really why I wrote it. I, I felt a a heart for yeah for, for for our supporters to give to give them that good theology, to give them stuff that we really lost from the culture from our culture in, in church in, in the West. There's being willing to, being willing to, to risk and being willing to suffer. Um, just looking back at those great stories um, with. Um, you know, Muller and you know, lots, lots of gospel patrons of their day in Victorian times and and seventeen hundreds. Just how 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 God raised up great great men to to lead the church, but also great patrons to support those those efforts. Even even recently, I was I, I discovered in in Wales, uh, I, I, both my grandfathers were. Coal miners in, in the Welsh Valleys in South Wales. So that's the kind of family I come from. And just discovering that the guys, some of the guys who owned a lot of the mines in, in Wales, in South Wales, were Christians. Um, this one guy, I think it's the Corley family, uh, living in, in, in this big mansion in Dufferin house, different gardens, where I go my family. It's a National Trust property now. I had no idea um, this guy fueled the forward movement to plant hundreds of churches, but he cared, had, had a heart for his, his workers his, his, and their families, and he cared for them, and he, he wanted to build churches. And, and so he partnered with people like Frank and Seth Joshua, and, and they, yeah, they built a lot of churches. So, so that that's something you don't get to, you know, don't get to hear about. That's in um, Geraint Fielder's book, Grace, Grit and Gumption. Great book. So, yeah, that really, that really stood my heart to, to, to see the potential for ministry, for church growth. If we, if we can connect, if we can get donors, if we can get business people thinking in this way, having this theology, what could that do for the growth of the church around the world? What could that do to unleash and open even greater resources of potential? Yeah, that's really what's troubling at the moment for, for me is there's such a need, there's such there's such huge need and God is raising up great people. God is working in his church. And so I, yeah, if I can do something to to 
to, to get give people the, the right theology. And like, like you said, I mean, I, I really want to draw a line between Trinitarian reform theology driving driving practice, driving um, through to to heart and 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 practice and outworking. And again, it that's there wasn't a connection between this this God who is uh, overflowing and cheerfully giving of himself, set, you know, giving his son Christ, pouring out himself on the cross for us um, and drawing a line to, 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 we should be like God, we should be godly and we should be cheerfully generous and overflowing because he's overflowing. We, we receive from him, we receive his love, we, we, we love him so we can love, love others. And, and I wanted to draw that and make that really the kind of the heart of the, of the book in, in terms of the theology of, of the why. And yeah, and I, there's a bit of practice in there as well, trying to address different contexts in the UK and America, wanting to serve, yeah, wanting to serve our people, um, but also wanting to give a book to pastors in the, to give to the congregations to, to shepherd their hearts. I know pastors do struggle to, to tackle these sorts of issues and, and to teach to teach them in in their churches. So if I could give a pastor a book that, that could do that for them, maybe they could go through it. Then again, that's that's a that's a win, isn't it? Yeah, and and these books, I, I did a review of the first book, and I said what you're saying isn't actually revolutionary. <laughs> <It's>, no. <laughs> <laughs> you just should all know. And, and what you're saying in the second book isn't revolutionary. So what is wrong with the Western church? Because to take risks is, is took for granted in China, in, mm -hmm. in Christians in northern Nigeria being killed on a, on a regular basis. So across uh, the globe, Christians understand that risk-taking and generosity is vital. We see the early church thrived on risk-taking mm -hmm. and generosity throughout the Bible. Every main character took risks. <laughs> Uh, including our saviour and, and again how more generous can you be which you point out and give your life uh, for, for others so what is wrong is it the preaching is it uh, the teaching what was caused this apathy within the church in the UK towards both risk taking and generosity that we need to be reminded that we need to have it explained uh, yeah when did this problem start and, and how have we got to this place yeah, I think it's it's really that we're we're we've grown comfortable and we've stopped. You know, the church that's had stopped being countercultural. And when when I went with with, with OM on on mission on the on the on the ships, um, I. I I struggled when I came back. I really struggled to integrate back into society because you've been exposed to, to to real poverty, to real suffering, to you know, to um, not a comfortable existence, not a comfortable life, and you've lived that yourself. Really, you've not you've not been able to just go to the shops and buy a chocolate bar, and and you don't, yeah, you 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 don't have the comfort that you're used to, and so coming back to this sort of it's we're so wealthy we're so comfortable 
was was hard to readjust. I did, I did obviously, and and then forgot about it, but um, which isn't good. Um, but it, it's just so easy, isn't it? That everything is so easy and it's comfortable, and we we take our freedom for granted. And so I think I think it's the suffering is an important part of of um, the church growing, thriving, and. Um, but we, yeah, when we're comfortable, we 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 don't want to suffer. We don't want to to take risks. We be, we become risk averse, and um, and so we've got to be reminded by brothers and sisters from from other countries that that know the blessing and know the um, the real joy of 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 you know suffering, but of leaning and leaning on on God, leaning on Christ, and depending on Him. And giving, give, being willing to give everything up for him, and being willing to, and I, I think, I think as well, we, we've, we buy into the lie, isn't it? We, we, I, I guess during the seventies and eighties, and the nineties, it's, um, you, you, you buy into the lie. We're a developed country. We, we, we're, we're wealthy. We, and, and the churches, and, and the church is doing this, um. And we, we, we just subconsciously integrate that sort of worldly ec economy or ec economics in, in and fuse it into our into our Christianity without even realizing it. I, I was re I was going through um, John Edwards' book uh, or his um, works, and he he tackles as a section on stewardship. And it's such it's such a revolutionary, and again, it's not, it's so orthodox, but it's such a revolutionary worldview of 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 it's almost like God's God's economy. This is how God, this is how God works. And that we are we are merely stewards of, of what we're given and what we think we earn, we think that we own, and we buy into the lie that we we oh I own this, I own this stuff, I own this money, I've made it. Actually, no, actually, you're, you're a steward, and it's what what can what the decision that you're going to make is what what do I what do I want to keep? It shouldn't be what what I should give away. Actually, it 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 all belongs to to him and for his use, and so it's it's just a real big mind shift. Um, and I, yeah, I love. I want to get personally. I want to get back to that that sort of Puritan. Reformational worldview that sort of our theology permeates all of our lives. We we tend to just think put things in boxes, don't we? And we don't allow we don't allow our theology to drive through to every, all aspects of our lives, all aspects of everything that we do and 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 are and have all our our kids, our school, everything. We 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 want to sort of protect these little bits and and hold them back but what's well about the puritans they just it's just so logical isn't it and it just permeates all aspects of their lives and it's so it's so enriching and i love that you know dane dane Altman gets really gets stuck into the puritans and in his gentle lowly book and uh just it's just bringing out the old gold isn't it from 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 these dead guys, and rediscovering it. And it, and again, I think particularly in your first book, heavily focused on the gospel. Second book again, but like you say, talked about the Trinity, and again that seeing Jesus as our 
which is is I think where most of us feel, don't we? Uh, you mentioned in the first book about him being an, an insurance policy for many of us. He brings us comfort in the face of death. Uh, and then finance brings us comfort and insurance <laughs> while we're alive. So it's like we, we're trusting in money and possessions to, to keep us safe in this world and trusting in Jesus for the next. But we should be seeing Jesus as our prize uh, both now and for eternity, shouldn't we? So explain a little bit about how, uh, yeah, how, how we can better teach the gospel to help our churches understand generosity and risk taking. <laughs> on that question um i I'm, I'm just what comes to my mind at the minute is uh john stott had to say he used to say that the pew the pew won't rise above the pulpit and i think i think there's a lot i mean we we talk about it here the sort of um unspoken curriculum uh People, people watch us, don't they? Our, our congregations watch us, and I think, I think pastors, particularly preachers, teachers, but elders as well, church leaders, need to live at live at live out that radical truth in front of their congregations. Because I think, I think, I think it's being preached. Okay, not not everywhere, um, but in. But there's enough good guys around preaching well, preaching to their churches every week. Like it's been, it's, I don't think it's something that's not being preached, but I, I think it's got to be caught. I think you, and again, I, this could sound judgmental and I'm making like sweeping general judgment, but I, and I'm not. And maybe I'm speaking to, my, to myself as well, that maybe I haven't, lived lived out that radical theology that reformation theology enough in my life that's why i mean i was convicted with the second book that you know the uh, the generosity book that convicted me i mean i was writing it and going oh oh, oh, oh that stings you know that whew, what does that mean if i if that's if that's right then what does that mean for how i live and what does that mean have about how i view my money and how i and the decisions I make about my kids and, and, and all, all the rest of it. And that's why I think we, we need to live out what we're preaching. We need, we need to, and not just that, but follow it through the, you know, what does that mean? If this is right, what I'm preaching, what does that mean for my life and, and how I treat my congregation, my flock? Would I die for them? Would I suffer for them? What, what, you know, follow that through to, to its conclusion and, and, and live it out. That's radical. That's radical Christianity. And I think, I think the flock will follow. I think the congregation will follow them, them you know, their modeling, your modeling life to them. I think a lot of time our congregations are reflections of our leadership. Um, yeah. Not always. I mean, I, I know there's, stuff that goes on church is messy and all the rest of it but but i i do think if if church leaders and i speak to myself as well um being on leadership team at, at my church if we start really living out that radical truth what what that could do what that could mean for for my congregation for, my, for our flock and 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 then more broadly in you know across our community and and you can't just be um you know 
we need to preach the gospel, but we need to live live out. And I'm not talking about social justice or good works, even. I'm, I'm talking about living out the Bible, living out the gospel, living out what we're preaching. Just being, I think it's integrity. I think it's an honesty thing. Um, it's a godly, holy life. Um, my 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 friend Dustin Benj, you know, he he's talking about at the moment. He talks a lot about walking worthy. I think it's walking worthy of our calling, walking worthy of living up to what we're saying and what we're preaching and what we're we're saying we're about. And and we often fail. We often disappoint our our, our churches. Is that too harsh? No, no. It, uh, for me, to, totally convicted. So I, when I was saved, I was an addict. Uh, I had nothing. I'd just come out with another failed relationship. I, was, I wasn't living on the streets, but I didn't have a... Anyway, I moved back in with my mother. I was homeless. I, I, I was £40,000 worth in debt, and I got saved. And Jesus was everything to me. And I stepped out in faith so many times, or so I thought. It's only now... That I have other things that I realised I didn't. I didn't have anything to risk when I was saved because I didn't have any. All I had was Jesus, and and now the idols that I've come up with my children and my wife. I've got a home. I've got a. I've got a salary. I've just realised that uh, for the last three years I've never had to worry about my salary. But that throughout ministry for the last for the ten years prior, I, I was living month by month, <laughs> and I've just seen how my decisions have become more cautious. The more I've been blessed with. Uh, practically and, and, and having being wise for your for your wife and children isn't a bad thing and we should do that we should be good stewards but i've gone beyond being wise and i've become frightened and and mm. uh, again guilty of seeing material comfort as my security on earth and jesus as my security in heaven and again just being convicted of having to get back to that place where I trust Jesus with my wife, my home, my, my finances, because as we saw with COVID, <laughs> things can just change like that, can't we? So, yeah, I totally agree. I don't think you're harsh. Probably quite gentle, to be honest. <laughs> the reality is we're all idolaters, aren't we? And, and uh, yeah, when I was first reading these books, I was thinking these are just obvious books. What's the point in writing them? We should all know that. And the fact that we all know it, <laughs> but none of us are living it, shows why we need books like this to convict us. Because uh, even if I'm preaching these messages, like you say, until we preach them to ourselves as leaders and we start living the message that we're preaching, people aren't going to follow other. Oh, very we will. Because yeah. they look to us to set that example. Yeah, people can people can spot a fake, can't they? You know. Well, you know, Mess McConnell, don't you? I, I remember yeah. <laughs> one of my daughters was really ill. And uh, I remember ringing him in tears, thinking, how can I preach on Sunday? And he says, you need to be careful because uh, everything you've preached over the last five years, people will see how much you believe in that on Sunday when you turn up knowing. And and when we're faced with trials, that's when uh, yeah, people see, are we just getting up, uh, giving a lecture, or are we sharing something that our lives are built upon, isn't it? And, yeah. yeah. And I, I'm just convicted on that often, yeah. Although I know these things are true, I don't put my feet, <laughs> stand on them at all times. So, yeah. Again, I think for me, what I've realised is the more we're blessed, we can become more reliant on the blessings of God than than Him Himself. Hmm. Uh, but definitely, the, the, the book goes on and it talks about 
generosity and another thing which convinces me is you talk about playing God <laughs> and, and motives for giving and we can convince ourselves that we're being generous when we're just giving ourselves a break and it reminded me of a time of I gave a brand new washing machine away to a man who was a recovering drug addict. And then a week later, he sold it to buy drugs. And I was fuming. <laughs> I was absolutely furious. But <laughs> at the same time, I'm thinking, well, I give it to him. He could have smashed it with a sledgehammer. It was his to do. It wasn't mine. But again, mm. uh, it, it's just so unnatural. It's so natural to God, but so unnatural to us. So what, what would be some of your advice? And how do we get to the place where we can freely give without any conditions attached to it without becoming paternalistic or expecting anything back in return? Yeah, I think we've got to be careful of, of it being transactional um, behind, but it's got, it has the appearance of, of generosity. Um, and, you know, you, you, see it, you see it sometimes, I think, with some donors, um, and and even like when you know, like you said, I mean, I I, I similar to you I, when I before I got I was married, I I didn't have anything really, and when I was a missionary, I didn't have anything. But once you start to get some some wealth and some substance behind you, then the trapping's going to come to the end. And and I'm sure and I'm I'm sure the thought has gone through people's minds, but it's you know certainly it's sort of passed along mine. Um, and then, and then, you know, I kicked it on my brain, but, but sort of, you know, oh, if I give X amount to the church, you know, um, will people, people will see it and will think good of me or something like that. You think that's, that's so easy. That sort of trap of look how much I'm giving is a sort of Pharisee, you know, standing out on the street corner showing his, you know, how much he's giving so much. And, and yet you're not really giving, you're not really giving much. Um, because your heart isn't right, your motives aren't right, and it's all about the motives, isn't it? It's all about what your, your the purpose of your heart, and um, and it's really again, it's really going back to that overflowing nature of of, of God to be godly, to be godlike in 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 how we how we love people, because because of that we we're fueled by love by God's love because of his great love and his great generosity overflowing. It's, it's having that overflowing heart where we're, we're just flowing out with love and with joy and, and, and generosity. Um, but it's, it's a happy generosity. It's not stingy. It's not two faced. It's not transactional, but it's, it's, fr it's free. It's, it's gracious and free and joyful. Um, because because of who we are in, in Christ, because we're receiving freely, because we're receiving cheerfully um, what what the Lord is bringing is giving and, and and keeps giving and keeps blessing. So it's it's checking our hearts. It's it's having the right motives. It's trying to spot the pitfalls, especially when you have more to give uh, um, and you. I don't know. It's it's. I think it's it's sin, isn't it? But it, it's it's. So we're always trying to get something out, something back. Um, yeah, it's. We've got to fight that that instinct to, to try to get something back for what we're doing, whether it's a good work, whether it's cutting a neighbor's neighbor's hedge or something. But it, it, there may that 
it, it sort of creeps in that sort of oh like, you know let's get something out of this and that's that's it we, we've got to we've got to kill that we've got to fight against that that motive to um to to make something back but to freely give without expecting anything like you said to that you know giving your washing machine away without expecting anything in return even if it's disappointing um it it's not it's not the focusing on on the on the fruit of what you're doing expecting to receive back from that directly but it's 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 loving people it's it's really about the commandments it's lo- loving god loving others um yeah 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 again just even more convicted as you speak and thinking my main concern should have been for his spiritual walk and the fact that he fell back into addiction, but I was thinking I could have sold that for 250 quid <laughs> and had a weekend away. So my concern wasn't that he was struggling. My concern was, yeah, I could have had a weekend in a log cabin somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds nice about now, doesn't it? You know, we've But again, that brings us into, you, you spoke about, in, in the book that some of us struggle to receive and I know that is a, a serious problem but mm. it's, it's not always been the problem with me I think there's a I think the problem for me is sometimes I've been willing to uh, change my principles to receive and that temptation there when there's some organisations that if we had a stricter constitution we'd be able to apply for funding for and do we change it? Do we tighten things up? I mean, in principle, I agreed with these things that we would have been tightening, but the reason they weren't tight were for missional purposes in the first place. But like finances and funding and and uh, stipulations given by givers can really test the heart of the receiver as well. And yeah. Yeah, so do you have any uh, advice on how to be a good receiver and when is the best? Time? When would you know? Uh, it's right to say no to something. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, as like, yeah, I guess the main fundraiser in the union. It's that's that's a, a really important area for me, you know, um, to keep checking my heart and my motives. And like you say, is it right to receive this gift? Where is it coming from? Is it given in the right way, as it were, or the right, you know, helpful? way to, to help the, the, the giver and yeah personally I, I I had a problem to receive from people I found it hard to receive I may be a, a working class thing where you've got I don't know pride or a chip on your shoulder or something but I found it I find it I used to find it hard but I, I think it's linked it's linked to our our giving I think it's linked to our our theology of giving and and being joyfully generous i think it's it's there's a link there being willing to receive gladly but also openly generous and joy joyfully generous and that's why i i put it in so so for me that there was something i had to get right in my heart for that one and and to be able to receive joyfully and it, it is a real blessing to receive a lovely gift from from a friend and receive it with a full heart with 
with an open heart and and to say thank you. This is this is awesome. You know, thank you so much. Um, it's it's something liberating in it, and I think I, I mean as you you were talking about when to say no. I, I love the story of George Muller. He would he would say no to people. He would he would he would sort of ask them all sorts of questions. Why are you giving this this gift? What? And he would interrogate almost interrogate the giver. And in some cases, he's he's he he said people no, you should keep this. This isn't you shouldn't give this to me. So that 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 takes a lot of guts, I think, especially if you're hard up. If you're if you're a ministry that's in need, or if personally if you're hard up and you need the money and you need or whatever the gift is, to be able to say no, you need you need to hold on to that with integrity. That takes that takes courage. That's risk taking, isn't it? That takes courage and boldness and and a dependence on God. That if 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 this isn't right, I need to say no, and the Lord will provide from somewhere else. Again, it takes us back to our what's our view of God? Is God sovereign? Can He provide for from for my needs or, or not? Um, and if if this is definitely if that definitely isn't right, to take I don't know where it's, it's come from a bad source that it's maybe given in the right sort of way, but it's it, you just can't receive the money. Then we need we need to, to have integrity and say and say sorry, I can't I can't take this. Um, yeah, that takes a lot of. I think that takes a lot of guts and and, but a, 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 just a, a belief that the Lord will provide. He's sovereign. He's he's looking out for us, and I need to lean on Him and be able to say to stand on my convictions on, on it. But yeah, I love that. Uh, I, I think I talked about it in the book, but that's that's a great story, and I think and I think it was a, he had a genuine pastoral care for. The people there was there was one lady that I wrote about that was so desperately poor like unbelievably poor for all of her life and she worked hard and she came into some money and and he tried to talk her out of giving I think um he tried to have her keep hold on to it and just you know you need this you know you need to look after yourself but after talking to her, he had to take the money because she was giving in the right in, with the right heart, with absolute belief that the Lord would keep providing for her, and she genuinely had, was compelled to give to support Muller and, and his ministry and you know the orphanage. So yeah, that was that was cool to to, to see some of these stories, and and the, yeah, the integrity, um, you know. Raising money, fundraising, and and receive you know receiving money from your family. It shouldn't be. We shouldn't be shy about it. We shouldn't. It shouldn't be a dirty thing or a, a sort of something that we don't want to talk about. You know, I just think it it that's the area that you want to shine a light on, and you want to not probe, but you want you want to interrogate and and are we doing things right? Are we doing things well? Are you giving in the right way? Let's talk about your generosity. It's it's really it's a litmus test of of our hearts what how we're giving what we're giving to why we're giving uh, and you know are we are we sacrificially giving as well it does say a lot about our hearts and and our view of god and again i think i think that's what i love about both the books is 
gospel is clear within that. Again, you talk about the Trinitarianism within that as well. So it's like deep theology in there, but it is, uh, it's written in such a way that it's accessible, uh, but also it's not technical. It's written in a way that reminds us that this is all about Jesus, that, that we, we, we don't just reflect Jesus, but we reflect the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in our giving and in our risk-taking again. So for me, that's probably been the most encouraging, mm-hmm. although it points us, it convicts us. I think it kind of gives us a cuddle as well and <laughs> reassures us uh, that even though we've got it wrong, that 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 we, we have all that we need to put it right through, uh, through God. And uh, yeah, I could talk, we, we could do another full session just on what you talk about within the Trinity, what you talk out about God being overflowing or about the gospel within the first one. But uh, I'm aware time's coming to end, so I just want to uh, share a little bit about us. We are part of a small network of churches. We're called Medus Ministries, uh, and we are very small churches. We are slow growth. Each church is needs a high staff rate compared to the membership. So we employ six people, the membership's only 12. <laughs> so, but, but the work is constant evangelism and, and getting out there into the community. Mm. But we're seen as high-risk, uh, low-yield investment, and, and many funders are put off from supporting us. Uh, we might get free grand here and there, where other bigger agencies will, will get millions of, of pounds each year yeah. because they're seen as a, a good investment. So my suggestion for you is you could make this into a trilogy. You could your third book could be uh, called Revolutionary Giving, Risk Taking, <laughs> and Generosity. <Hey. laughs> there you go. So, so how about that one? <laughs> right. How can we encourage donors to give according to need, regardless of the risks? Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You're singing. You're singing my my tune, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see it. I see it a lot. And actually, that's what people have said about union, to be honest. You know, oh, you're too, what what do they say? Like, you're too new because of the thing. It's a new thing. You know, it's been going a lot, you know, in, in its other form. Um, yeah, you're too new with unproven track record. You're too risky, you know, and, and it's people, yeah, it's, and again, that's really annoying because <laughs> like, you think those are the ministries that actually need the, need the money. Um, you know, they, they're the ones that need help and you, you, everybody wants to give to the big established ministries that are sort of proven track record and it's, it's, it's safe, it's sort of safe, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's very annoying. Um, I, I can, I can, it, it resonates and I think it comes from, especially like foundations and trusts, a lot of them are run by accountants and uh and then you've got people that are like business people and investors and they talk about kingdom return they want to see well what's 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 going to happen you know they want results it's a very american mindset as well i think that sort of kingdom return that sort of honestly tangible how many people are going to be saved all that sort of stuff i think well it's we're in a hard context and it's going to take time and we're not going to see like an immediate you know 20 people got saved last week sort of thing. Yeah, it's annoying. I, I, it's, wor- it's worldly, I think. And it's not, again, it's not in that sort of radical 
you know, cheerful generos generosity that we're, we're seeing, uh, that we see in the Bible and we see it, it's a worldly construct. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd like to fight against that as well. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, I'll bat that drum. Brilliant. Awesome. Oh, Joel, uh, thanks very much for your time. You've been extremely generous with your time. And you've took a massive risk coming on this podcast. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's Seriously, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I really appreciate your books as well. And uh, uh, That's really encouraging to hear. Thank you. I'll have a couple of links to, uh, to both your books and where they can purchase them from, as well as to Union Theology. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that two or three of my five listeners will be interested in buying these books. And I'm going to offer a couple of ways of free gift as well. So uh, if we get a few more subscribers to the channels and to our Twitter account, uh, I'll do a prize draw. So yeah, hopefully uh, we will be encouraged as leaders and our congregations will follow suit in uh, risking more for Jesus and sharing Amen. the gift that he's given to us. But Joel, thanks very much for joining me on the In Context podcast. Thank you so much. God bless you.